All right, welcome back, all you minnows, tadpoles, and dragonflies. That's how I've been starting it, Cody, right? Um, welcome to episode 31 of the Rescue Zero Mindset podcast. Today, we're going to be going through a bunch of questions that you guys submitted through Instagram and email. So, I think we're just going to get into it. Yeah, a lot of great questions. Uh, we've been absent for a little while, so um, we're going to try to catch up with you guys by answering multiple questions here. And starting with workouts to improve on your pull-up strength. So when I went through summer school, I could only do like, the minimum is like five pull-ups, five chin-ups, and I could do seven max of each when I was doing the PT test. Recently, I've had pretty good experience improving my pull-up numbers by doing a lot of weighted pull-ups. So I've been doing, just throwing in weighted pull-ups to my workouts when I'm lifting. And basically what that looks like is I'll put a, like a, a good weight where I can do five to seven reps and then I'll typically hit that rest two to three minutes and then I'll add five, usually five pounds and then I'll just like drop the reps down to two, maybe like do four to five on the second set and I'll rest another two to three minutes and then I'll do three on my, on my last set and I'll add, you know, five pounds again. That's worked pretty well. Another good one is PT pyramid, PT pyramid. So you do push up, pull up pyramids. There's a lot of those on like previous Instagram posts you can check out. And those are kind of the two workouts that I like to do for improving pull-up strength. I don't know what Vince does. One of the things that I mentioned in the previous podcast is the importance and the benefit of doing negatives. So if you do negative pull-ups, that's where you're going to pull yourself up and hold and slowly lower your body down over the period of, say, 30 seconds. If you can do a minute, that's phenomenal. So if you can do it a minute, then you're starting at the top. At 30 seconds, you're halfway through your your downward portion of your pull-up. And if you're all the way down, then you've hit that minute. Um, I typically do it in between 30 and 40 seconds. And you can do that weighted as well. And that truly uh, is beneficial for muscle growth. But also, it's it's working like the counter um, motion of the pull-up. So that's something that's often neglected. So don't forget the negatives. All right. Question number two is cutter workouts. Um, I guess this is a good one for me. Uh, I was actually stationed on a 378. So that's one of the longer cutters that the Coast Guard had. I think those have all probably all been transitioned out now to like those national security cutters. Yeah, I feel like there's probably still a couple. I'm not even sure though. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, that, yeah. That'd be interesting. Somebody tell us if there's any 378s left and if you are, if how rusty. Soul, if your poor soul is stuck on one of them. Yeah. <laughs> how rusty is the bow on that thing? And try to transition out. <laughs> um, but so the, th- the 378 at least had, I guess you could consider it a decent gym, um, but they would tie it in the bow. And, you know, if you've ever been in the Bering Sea, which is where a lot of our deployments were, well, that bow is rocking up and down. So actually transitioning back to that pull-up um, thing, instead of doing weighted pull-ups, what you can do in a 378 in the gym is you time the waves so you can either make it easier on yourself or harder. So when that, I guess if the boat is uh, kind of falling back down, that's when that pull up is becoming, uh, it's becoming difficult. And then if you time it, once you're getting exhausted, you can time it on the up. So it's helping your pull up. Um, so basically you can either do more pull ups than you normally can or a lot less. And don't only work out like timing the waves, but you can, uh, you know, once you get back on your, you know, dry dock or whatever, get back to your normal routine with your weighted pull-ups and, and whatnot. But basically it, it is interesting to work out on a cutter is because, 
you know, the weights will change. Like you, you be careful as well. Um, you know, always put the blockers on, say, if you're doing like a bench press, put those stoppers on it because, you know, the boat tilts it, um, it rocks. So you gotta be careful. Um, but yeah, so also, also I would say when you're training with weights on a boat, do go a little lower than you're comfortable with, because once again, those waves might add a significant amount of weight. The other thing is if you're on a large boat, you can, if, if you have approval, um, by the command, you can run around the boat, like the top deck, uh, if it's safe enough and it's not too rocky. So there's a lot you can do, uh, on a boat. And if you're on one of these smaller boats, how long was yours, Cody? I was at a small boat station, so I had a full gym. It was kind of nice, kind of cushy. That's right. So you would never work out actually on the small yeah, boat. Yeah, it was we were on like 33-foot patrol boats, so we weren't doing any working out on those. Right. That said, I think the question we got was from somebody that was on an 87-foot cutter. I'm assuming you don't have a gym there. So find whatever bar that you can or any flat surface for your pull-ups, but you can still do your push-ups. You can do your flutter kicks. You might be able to run in place, uh, do burpees. You know, you got to improvise and you got to be a little imaginative there. Um, but there should certainly always be an option to work out, at least with your body weight. So the next question is, do you think being an AST is a good gateway to becoming a firefighter or paramedic? So when I was in my airman program my, in Miami, one of the, the third class swimmers there, fresh out of A school, was a previous firefighter. I think he was in in Los Angeles. And I know there's tons of swimmers who are also paramedics and they kind of work with the local, you know, ambulances wherever they're stationed and they'll do some like night shifts or just kind of work in random, random shifts throughout the, you know, the week whenever you don't have duty to kind of keep up on those, those skills. Other than that, I think if you're trying to be a, you know, firefighter paramedic after the Coast Guard, so if you like go in, Kind of like Vince and I did and do, you know, four years, you come out and you want to be a firefighter. It's going to be a nice kind of boost to your, your application and you might kind of get pushed to the front of the line and you're going to have a lot of, you know, good skills that are going to kind of lateral over to that job. But other than that, it's pretty, pretty much not super correlated. What do you have on that, Vince? Well, I would certainly say like if you're going for one of those hard to get into uh, squads, I think they call them. So say in like Manhattan area, a lot of people are trying for those positions because they get a lot of action. And you're certainly always on top if you're going for any kind of position like that, like first responder or governmental job. If you have prior service, that's usually always something they're looking for. And of course, any job's looking for prior experience. So if you have experience in search and rescue and providing uh, first response and, and medical care, then I would say you're probably definitely going to the top of the list. Um, so it, it, yeah, it would certainly help with that. And as far as paramedic goes, I guess that, that was part of the question. Um, yeah, paramedics are, I think, always in need. So regardless if you do military service or not, I think they're going to want you. Uh, but you have to be paramedic qualified. So cool. let's move on to the next question. And this is basically on the PT test. So what are some good times and PT numbers to shoot for for your PT test? And so we'll just kind of go through, I guess we can go through what our numbers were and then. Yeah, let's do that. Let's yeah, brag. Let's brag. So my mile and a half was under five minutes, um, yeah. but he that was, was my running warm up. A sub four minute mile pace. <laughs> no, let's give a real numbers. Let's, let's, let's go. If, as far as we can yeah. remember. Okay, so uh, let's start with pushups. 
my push-ups when I took the PT test in well in A school, you know they they stop you at they, at the time they stopped you at fifty, so you didn't like max out. But when I was in my Airman program, we would like we'd max out on the PT test. So I think my max was probably like I would say fifty nine was my max then. Oh, you suck. Yeah, I was pretty bad. <laughs> like right now, I would destroy my my own self, my previous self. But the, the rookie you. Um, for the push-ups, I think. I want without lying. I I, I want to say it was at least eighty three. Uh, one time I did, and that wasn't a school day, but it was near the end of a school, and they were just it was more of a a fun PT test because at that point they were like, let's just see what you guys can do. Like we had already basically uh, passed the final multi, so they were like, Let, let's push yourselves here. And yeah, I think eighty three ish okay. was. So if you suck at push ups, there's hope because I did fifty nine. Yeah, a lot of people put, uh, struggle with the push up portion. It certainly was going to a school. It was like the the test that was making my heart beat a little faster. I was a little worried about it because 50 pushups is, is no joke. Um, Especially and when you're stressed, they're really particular on form. That's true. On that first PT test, when you get there, like you do it like whatever the first or second day. They're yeah. Very specific on form. So you're probably going to have like give or take like five to, to 10 reps that they don't count. That's true. And, and that kind of is, I wouldn't say like an ego killer, but in a way it demoralizes you a little bit. You're like, Oh man, that didn't count. Damn. I think the first test, though, that we had, they actually had uh, another airman lying across from us with the fist. So your chest had to touch their fist. And each uh, candidate that was actively doing their push-ups was being supervised by an instructor. So it was you really rigorous. had to do it. Yeah, yeah you it had to good. be straight on point with your push-ups. Uh, next one is sit-ups. That's, so, again, we're going through the rest swimmer uh, PT test here. But so at the time, I think they lowered the, these standards, by the way. I think they it's 40 have. push-ups now. Yeah. And... Uh, as far as sit-ups go, uh, the sit-ups is, you know, straight on your back and then your knees have to touch, or sorry, your elbows have to touch your knees. Um, the requirement at that time was 60. What was your best? So sit-ups, I think my best was probably like 75. If that, it might've been a little lower. I can't remember. I know I like written it down in some blog post or something, but it definitely was not in the eighties. So mid, mid seventies, I would say. Yeah. I might've flirted with the 80, but the thing with those, it's not really about um, how many you can do but it's how many you can do within two minutes and that's usually so the, t- the time cuts you off versus push-ups you're not really doing push-ups yeah, for like two minutes yeah. yeah you're gonna be you're gonna be gas well before two minutes so the sit-ups is how fast can you do them in proper form um but that's usually not an issue anyway and sit-ups are kind of dumb anyways let's be honest yeah yeah <laughs> uh next one yeah <laughs> don't neglect your core now but yeah. uh yeah there's there's better ways to do uh core exercise than than those sit-ups um, the next one that we had at the time was, I think it was five pull-ups. I believe now it's down to four. So I don't know. What was your max on that? Uh, I think my max was like seven, if I had to guess. Wow. And just, just a little like brag right here, but my max now is 20. So. <laughs> yeah, that's really good because I think at the time when I was training, I may have made it to 20, but more realistically, 18. So you know it's but we had a we had a phenomenal airman that was training with me uh with me in hawaii and he i believe did like 35 maybe even like maybe went up to 42 pull-ups but you know the reality is they didn't send him for other reasons so you know your strength on these exercises isn't everything it doesn't come down to that if you can pass the test you're you're pretty much physically fit to get through a school like my pt numbers were pretty terrible and I was pretty strong in the pool, so it doesn't matter. Um, then the next one is chin-ups. At the time, it was five. I believe now, again, it's four or three. 
um, chin ups in my, so again, uh, chin ups are when your palm is facing your chin and pull ups is when your palms are facing away from your chin. Um, in my opinion, chin ups and for most people, chin ups are a little easier than pull ups. So what was your, I think it was seven or eight. It was about the same, honestly. Yeah. And mine was, I think a little better. So I think I would hit the 20, uh, if I was trying really hard. So after that, it's a mile and a half run, which the standard at the time was under 12 minutes. It was under 12. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's might've increased as well. Um, like your time. So you can be a little slower than that. That said, what was your best time? Um, so my best was around 8.30, and that was towards the end of A school. When I first got to A school, I think I think I ran it right around nine minutes. Yeah, and I we, we actually talked about this the other day. The person that broke the record, I don't, I'm curious actually if somebody just graduated, let us know who holds the record right now for the best runner. But at the time, uh, somebody in my class beat the record. His name, actually I won't say his name, <laughs> um, but he broke it, and I believe – his time is it realistic, Cody? If I say seven thirty, yeah, something like that? I think yeah. that's realistic, but it's it's fast. Yeah, so I think it's he did fast. in like seven minutes thirty, and whatever he did, my best time it was was the same day, and it was about a minute over him. So I, yeah, I believe mine was around eight thirty as well. And realistically, if you're if you're in the the nines, like mid nines, you're you're pretty solid. It's not a huge issue. If you're sub nine, you're pretty much good to go for the running. You're going to be probably. Towards the front of your class. And to be honest, a lot of people that graduated in my class were over nine. So I, again, at 830, that was my very best time. And I was the second fastest in my class. So I don't know. I, yeah. And I, I was second fastest as well on yeah. that, on that test. I think the fastest guy ran a, like ran around eight minutes, like slightly over eight minutes. Yeah. And he was, he was cruising. It's not rescue runner school people. Okay. It's rescue swimmer school. So moving on to the swimming, uh, 500 meter swim under 12 at the time. What was yours? I think my fastest was probably like right around eight, just below eight minutes. So like 750 something. And that would have been my fastest ever at a school. If I was like, just kind of not even like, like an average effort would be in the, the mid eights for me. Yeah. I would be lying if I told you any number I forgot. Uh, I was, I was a great swimmer with the gear. Um, but without the gear, I was the second fastest in my class. And there was a college uh, swimmer at the time. And so I think he did it. Maybe in the sevens. I was at least he probably, 30. He was probably in the sixes. Sixes? He was a college swimmer. Oh, really? I don't probably. know. I don't yeah, he was very fast. Um, and I, I think I was at least 45 seconds, 30 to 45 seconds over him. So whatever. Maybe eight something or seven something. Um, and then after that, you had to do four underwaters with, I believe, a minute or 30 seconds. Yeah, break? I think you get like a minute rest. And I mean, those should be no issue, you know, if you're going. And that, at that point in training, they're not even an issue at all. Yeah. And, and if they are an issue, um, we're going to promote my program again, the how to hold your breath like a rescue swimmer program. Again, the hardest part in these elite military schools is the underwater portion. So if it's not easy for you to do 25 yards underwaters, I would you know advise you to check that program out um, because that's truly what it comes down to. It's your confidence in the water and oftentimes your confidence underwater. So how you can keep calm and collect and hold your breath. All right. So that was for the PT test question. The next question is your maximum distance. Uh, sorry. The maximum distance you ran at a school. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. We didn't do many long distance runs. I think on Fridays we would kind of do a PT session in the morning, like on the PT grinder. And then we'd go, you know, do like a longer run maybe for like an hour normally. 
so I would guess the longest run, like we didn't have anyone telling us how far we were going. We were just kind of running until they told us to stop. So I think I would guess eight miles was probably the max we ran. Oh, you didn't do the Florida run where you have to run from uh, Elizabeth City to uh, to the Keys? We skipped that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was we, too hot. We had the black, it was a black flag. Yeah, we, day, heard, so. we heard about you. Yeah. yeah. No, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think our longest run, yeah, maybe five miles, but it was pretty casual. Again, it's not rescue runner school. So yeah, and the pace, you know, when you're doing those long runs, the pace is gonna be like really pretty slow. It's probably like in the eight minute pace, maybe nine minutes if you're doing like PT. Sometimes you'll stop and do PT, you know, during those runs. So you're gonna be running slow. You're just kind of getting around, getting around the base. Great. All right. Um, how often did you swim before a school? That's a pretty good. I question. would just say like, let's just say like, how many times a week did you swim? We'll make sure. that the standard. So I was hitting the pool probably, depending on my duty schedule. So I was at a small boat station. We worked two days on, two days off. So I would say on my on my off week, so there's like certain weeks where you work, you know, you'll work Wednesday, Thursday, you'll have the weekend off. Or you'll, you'll work Wednesday, Thursday, have the weekend on, and then Monday, Tuesday, you'll be off. So those weeks, you know, you're working more than, than you're not working. So I'd hit the pool like twice a week. And then the other weeks when you had like, like five days off or whatever, I'd pretty much go to the pool every day. So on average, I would say about four days a week is when I was my pool time. What about you? Um, I would say I, I was at least in the water probably five times a week. But uh, like I've mentioned before, half my survival out in Hawaii, just based on my budget was from free diving. So a lot of my hours came from free diving, which definitely uh, built up my water confidence. As far as training goes, where I was in the pool doing laps and doing underwater specifically for rescue swimmer school, that was probably at least three times a week um, before before the start of my actual airman program. And yeah, at least that much during my airman program. Great. So water treading drills. So I'm pretty bad at water treading and I still am. Like whenever I get in the pool, I suck at it. Um, so I'm probably not the best person to ask about this. Typically I would like do water treading drills, but all I would do is like tread with the brick, you know, for 10 seconds. Then I would drop the brick, tread for another like minute as a rest. And then I'd go back, swim down, grab the brick, go back up, tread for 10 to 20 seconds and kind of repeat that. Other than that, I wasn't doing much for water treading because I was so bad at it. I just tried to like, hope that I got through it in a school and that's kind of what, what happened. I don't know if you were kind of working on it like, diligently. I've heard or... you talking about how terrible you were at it and I'm, and I'm in the same boat. I was terrible at the whole egg beater thing. I probably recommend you look actually at some rugby instructional videos on YouTube or play water polo. If you have, Oh, that's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah, I said rugby. rugby. Yeah. <laughs> water rugby for the, the wrestling part. Yeah. Uh, school, though. No, that's what I meant. So uh, water polo, um how to probably would be a great thing because the egg beater from my understanding you're actually trying to push get or sorry get the water pressure on the sides of your feet and you're basically your ankle is at 90 degree as in like your your toes are pointing towards your knee and you're you're really kind of scooping that water on the inside or under part of your foot um in a rotational like an alternating rotation manner um but it's very hard it takes some uh knee flexibility takes a little ankle flexibility hip mobility hip mobility so it, it it's certainly a technique that you should learn it could come in handy um actually the person that would just torture us in my airman program he 
first of all, I think he was like six, four. So his feet to begin with were the size of my fins. <laughs> um, but that being said, he would really torture us making us do these water treading drills because he said that in his final multi in his, uh, a school course, he actually lost a fin. He might have actually lost two throughout the program. I think he had yeah, to his, uh, maybe, you know, uh, flaws i guess he he forgot to check the straps and i think they broke off so he was you know towing a survivor it broke off and then he had to finish the multi and he passed but he finished the multi by doing an egg beater for two survivors one of which was a combatant survivor so it could certainly come in handy um, because they're not going to stop the drill just because your fin broke um that's on you you got to finish the uh, like the the test so um and and actually, if you're ever in like one of these ocean rescue scenarios where you're not like on duty and you don't have fins on you, then, yeah, it's very hard to tow a survivor and tow them to safety without fins. If you don't know the proper like egg beater slash like treading water, um, like kick. So it could certainly come in handy. I wouldn't neglect it. Uh, try to focus on it, even though we personally hate it. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. The next question training courses you take okay so we weren't 100 sure about how to answer this because it could go a couple ways but i'm just going to kind of talk through the two like big courses you go through after you get through a school so after you graduate from rescue swimmer school you go to your first unit and you typically check in and you might do some like you might get basic air crew cert qualified and you start working on your rescue swimmer syllabus and at some point during that time, you're going to go to EMT school, which is in uh, Pataluma, California, and it's a eight-week course. After that, you go back to your air station and you typically finish up your, your rescue swimmer syllabus and you become a qualified rescue swimmer. And then at some point, this isn't a required class that comes next. I think it's called a C school. So you go to Advanced Helicopter Rescue Swimmer School, and that's in Astoria, Oregon. And that's just like a five-day like intensive course where you do heavy weather rescue operations. So you go out there in, in the big surf and you do cliff rescue training. You do like, you swim out to basically like there's one day when they like take you to the beach and you try to swim out past the breakers in your wetsuit and it's, or in your dry suit. It's really hard. It's almost impossible depending on the, the weather and the, the sea state. I think when we did it, it was like 10 to 12, 10, 10 to 15 foot waves and pretty much no one got off, off past the breakers. Yep. You want to talk about your... Well, yeah. So training. the question again was what training courses you take. I kind of perceive that as potentially what kind of like physical training courses you take prior to attending uh, the program. So one I spoke about previously on a, another podcast is what's called the master's program. And this is typically offered at many uh, community pools. And it's a structured program where you usually train by a coach, uh, usually about three times a week either in the morning or in the evenings and you're in the pool and they're giving you specific workouts for swimming. So you'll have sprints, you'll have, you'll have the IM, which is like that. Um, what is it? Like the butterfly backstroke, uh, breaststroke, and then the crawl or the uh, freestyle. <clears throat> so those are great. Whether you're training to become a rescue swimmer, a Navy seal, a PJ, or you're just somebody that's trying to improve your swimming abilities as an athlete, then I strongly recommend these master's programs because it's a it's a structured way 
to train and it helps you with your technique. So like I addressed, I started that program before joining the military, I believe at least a year before. And when I did, I started in the lane with the 90 year old grannies that were well out of shape in like physical appearance, but I was in the back of that lane. So they were, they were destroying me and it took me months, but by the end I was swimming with those better swimmers that had, you know, a lot of experience and were in good physical shape. Um, but again, everyone there had good swimming technique and that's certainly something that you should master before attending any of these programs, or if you're just trying to better your, uh, your swimming abilities, again, masters programs, look into it. Great. Next question. Have you ever worked with ASTs? So aviation survival technicians that were prior service Cody. So as you know, I was only stationed in Detroit for four years and then I got out. And while I was there, I was stationed with one other swimmer who was prior service. He was in the army and he was a solid guy. I don't think he had much issue getting through a school from what I heard. But wait, wait, wait. He wasn't just in the army. Why don't you just tell him like what he did specifically in the army? I think he was a Green Beret. You think he was a Green Beret? Come on. So basically he just like crushed two different courses in the military that are like some of the hardest training, you know, in the world. So solid dude. Let's just say I didn't make eye contact with the guy for yeah. my like entire two, two, maybe three years of being at Air Station Detroit. Other than that, <laughs> I, I don't know of any other prior service guys that personally that I know. I know some guys who some, yeah, pi- some pilots were um, and yeah. some uh, aviation maintenance uh, technicians. I'm sure there's a couple others at least, you know, out there that we just haven't met. Yeah, as long as you have like a honorable discharge with your, uh, your ability to re-enlist and you're not past the age limits, then yeah, you can. Prior service is usually a great thing when you're going to a recruiter. And the Coast Guard needs people right now, by the way. So if that's you, yeah, you might have an easier time getting over. I'm not sure how it is or what service you're in, but it all depends, you know, on the command. There's so many issues, like so many different factors. But if you're interested, it's definitely a possibility. And from my experience talking to prior service individuals, again, I, we knew few that were swimmers, but they often said that they really do prefer the Coast Guard uh, as like a, a working space rather than their prior service. So that's not saying, you know, the other branches aren't well, but it seemed like we had good feedback as far as those people that transitioned over. So, okay, we have four questions left. Countdown. As long as you add running and core into your program, is lifting a good idea before rescue swimmer school? So I think it's fine. It depends on what kind of lifting you're doing, you know? Like when I was getting ready for swimmer school, I was doing a lot of like cross CrossFit was like really big at the time. So we were doing a lot of CrossFit workouts at my airman program, like all the swimmers are into that. So that, if you call that like lifting, it's not like the traditional, like just like, you know, lifting like three sets of 10 or three sets of eight, eight, six, four or whatever. That's fine. Um, if you're tech, like kind of weak, you know, and you need to build some muscle mass, it can help. So it kind of varies in the person. And if you're the person that sent this in, maybe I can go back and kind of get some some more like small details and kind of figure out what would be best for you. I don't know if you did any lifting, Vince. Uh, absolutely. I did do a lot of lifting before uh, joining, actually, even before starting my airman program. Actually, I did a little less lifting in my airman program than before. Uh, that's mostly because that's what I'm used to is lifting. Um, that said, I would not recommend power lifting per se before 
you know, joining any of these programs because, you know, sure, it's going to increase your overall ability to lift weights and it may make those like higher endurance sets a little easier. But ultimately, you're adding muscle mass for the most part. And, and it's power that you rarely do need uh, to survive these these kind of training. So I would stick to reps in between at most, or sorry, at least six reps, at least. But I would typically stay in between eight to even 20 reps for whatever you're lifting. Um, I don't know if you saw The Guardian, but the, the biggest guy, he cramped up. So... <laughs> Typically, it's not the guys who are who are shredded who get to these schools. It's typically guys who have like a good strength to weight ratio and and are, are solid all around athletes, not just heavy guys who can lift a lot of weight. First lesson in swim school, people. Muscles. My weights are fine. I messed it up. <laughs> First lesson in swimmer school, people. Muscle. Don't float. That's, that's Senior Chief Ben Randall. So. But I cramped up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't avoid lifting weights. Um, but just, yeah, just, just be careful and, and definitely don't neglect your, your cardio. Typical workout schedule. So the question is, what's your typical workout schedule? Um, Not workouts. It's typical work schedule. Oh, work I schedule. I just can't type. Yep. Sorry. Yep. So I typed up these questions earlier <laughs> and that's the issue. But so typical work schedule. I did a whole episode on this, I think like at least a few months ago now. So I'll put that episode in the show notes and i think it was like a 30 minute episode where i just talk about a typical like i guess like day in the life if you will of a rescue swimmer so just scroll down or whatever below this show you'll see like a link and you can just click it it'll take you to that show i like this second to last question can you bring a navy rescue swimmer on and compare job experiences and training well i would love to if uh if there's any navy rescue swimmers out there we are you know, open for calls. Um, you can contact us on Instagram and yeah, we'd love to make a podcast with you and, and do some comparisons. As far as Navy rescue swimmers go, I did encounter, I believe two, potentially three when I was in uh, AHARS, which is advanced rescue swimmer school. Um, they're kind of cool. They, they wear like all black dry suits. Yeah. Pretty tactical. Yeah. That's like, pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think our rescue swimmers are doing that now too. We're wearing black wetsuits. So yeah. to be yeah. fair, um, pretty cool. I, I, I remember them, it seemed like they didn't have as much experience potentially uh, free falling out of helos at the time, at least. Um, and I remember they were always saying like, oh, this is so cool. We don't get to do this very often. So AHARS was a advanced rescue consumer school was a great uh, opportunity for them to really hone in on those those skills. Um, yeah, yeah. They, they have a different mission set than than Coast Guard rescue swimmers do as well. So I think a lot of swimmers in the Navy, you know, are stationed on on big, you know, aircraft carriers and they're doing responses for like down aircraft that are attached to their, their cutter or whatever the aircraft carrier. So it's a completely different mission. So it's going to be different skill set required. And some of it laterals over, you know, at AHARS or whatever. Other than that though, it's, it seems to be a totally different experience. So it'd be cool to have an actual Navy swimmer on to talk about it. Yeah. And actually a little fun fact, a little historical fun fact about the Navy rescue swimmers, the helicopter rescue swimmers in the Coast Guard actually went through the school i believe for the first maybe at least three to five classes so the first graduates which were the first five i think first five or first three i don't remember yeah but i'm pretty sure they went through two because they had to go through like a mock coast guard one and then they'd go to the navy one also i I never heard that but either way they did at, at least i know they attended navy swimmer school uh before there was ever even a coast guard uh rescue swimmer school so all right. And the final question, you want to read them? Yeah. 
So apparently this is news to me. I just read this like, I think last night when I was typing up this document, there's a airman program coming out for AETs and AMTs that are basically, I think it's like the old airman program where you go to an air station and you kind of work with your chosen rate and you kind of do maybe like do a syllabus and then get ready for a school. It was the same way for ASTs when Vince and I went through the kind of like the program or the pipeline, whatever you want to call it. And from what I've heard now, it's basically like a streamlined program for ASTs where you kind of sign up for a certain program. I think it's called the NXX program. And with that, you know, you kind of go to close to an air station and you have like a mentor and then you kind of, I don't know the whole gist of the program, but it seems to be like a more streamlined non-airman program trying to keep people in like a more kind of condensed area, you know? So I don't see that coming back for ASTs. The question was what happened for ASTs. I doubt it will probably just because it'd be a lot of money for the Coast Guard, you know, to have someone go through six months, four or six months at an air station and then have to send them to East City. So however they're doing it now is probably how it's going to be. So I don't think you're going to be going through an airman program anytime soon. But really, I can't say um, that's like pretty, pretty inside baseball, if you will. So I think that's pretty much it for the questions in this episode. Yeah, great questions. Uh, keep the questions coming. We'll, uh, we're planning, as far as the future of the podcast goes, I have reached out to one of my uh, ex-colleagues who's a rescue swimmer, and he had phenomenal cases. Um, yeah, he was really lucky, like a SAR magnet, basically. Yeah, and we can actually say his name. He'd be fine with that. Uh, so his name is Nathan. Uh, he's a, I guess, yeah, Nathan Feske is his yeah. name. Uh, and he's a third-class uh, rescue swimmer. And we were always jealous of him because he had some phenomenal cases. I won't, I won't even say any of them yet. Um, but in some really kind of sketchy, pretty much unreal and, cases, yeah, jaw dropping places, like movie type cases. Yeah. So um, if you're a fan of the Guardian, <laughs> tune in for the next podcast with uh, Nathan Feske. Uh, we're gonna try to get in touch, and that should be a good podcast. So, um, and again, if you are a fan of this podcast, you want us to keep going, know that, you know, a good source of our income for us to pay our rent is doing these programs for you. And we've worked very hard on those. So if you haven't already checked it out, please do help us uh, by viewing our two programs, the Become the Expert and the Hold Your Breath Like a Rescue Swimmer program. It should have tremendous information on there for you guys to develop as athletes um, and to hopefully succeed if you're trying to attend any of these difficult schools great anything else for this episode nope i think that's pretty much everything i've been doing i don't know if you hate it but i've been doing like i've been tuning out with oorah at the end of this i don't don't like that all right we can try it we'll try it and 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 maybe modify it for the next episode yeah we'll see how it goes go ahead and do your thing wait well you should do it too it should be like how's it gonna go okay well you you gotta like okay you gotta turn away from the mic and you gotta just do oorah so here we go on the countdown. On the on the three count. All right. All right. Three, two, one. Ooh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>